Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, a look at the week's news. The cost of living in Beijing and Shanghai has become relatively cheaper in the last three years compared with other major cities around the globe, according to a UBS survey of 77 metropolises. Beijing fell to the 46th most expensive city to live in, down six places from the last report, while Shanghai dropped 13 places to 47th. The report says the monthly cost of living, excluding rent, was just $2,391 in both Beijing and Shanghai, just slightly more expensive than the Chilean capital of Santiago. Zurich was the most expensive city surveyed, while Tokyo was the most expensive Asian city. Although Americans born today can expect to live for a few years longer than their Chinese counterparts, China's newborns will experience more healthy years, new data shows. The WHO findings reveal that for the first time, China has overtaken the United States in healthy life expectancy at birth. Healthy life expectancy is defined by years lived in good health or without illness. China's newborns are projected to have healthy lives for an average of 68.7 years, compared to 68.5 years for Americans. But Americans are likely to live longer overall, 78.5 years compared to China's 76.4. China has seen its overall and healthy life expectancies rise in recent years. In contrast, overall life expectancy in the United States peaked in 2014 at 79 years. Singapore has led the world in healthy life expectancy since 2005, when it overtook Japan. Babies born in the Southeast Asian country are expected to live in good health for 76.2 years. Embattled tycoon Jiao Yueting now has another excuse to disobey official orders to return to China to repay the mounting debt owed by his companies. He cannot take trains or fly within the country's borders. The founder of Leico, once a star Chinese tech company, has been barred indefinitely from traveling via train and air in China, according to a newly published government list. The blacklist, the first of its kind, contains the names of more than 160 people, including Jaws' sister, who have been found to have defaulted on their debts 
behaved in an unruly manner during air or train journeys in China, or have otherwise violated air and train safety regulations. China's railway builder ran into another setback to its overseas expansion aspirations after the new Malaysian government announced it will scrap a bullet train project linking its capital to southern neighbor Singapore. Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad said at a news conference that he had decided to drop the Kuala Lumpur-Singapore high-speed rail project in a move to reduce the country's $250 billion U.S. dollar debt. Malaysia will have to talk to Singapore about the resulting penalty, estimated to be about 125 million U.S. The 92-year-old triumphed in a general election early this month and has vowed to review a slew of megaprojects in the country approved by the previous administration, saying they are the product of excessive borrowing and do not benefit the economy. China's top securities regulator may punish six mutual funds for alleged insider trading by their managers, Caixin has learned from sources close to the matter. The potential punishments mark the first time that China has targeted fund companies in such cases, sparking a debate about whether fund firms should be punished for the actions of their managers. In one case, the regulator found that the then-board secretary of a Shenzhen-listed software supplier leaked insider information to researchers at several securities firms in 2012. Those researchers went on to tip off the fund managers at five mutual fund firms who then allegedly used it to trade shares of the software firm. The firms involved in the broader inquiry include industry leaders e-fund management and harvest fund management, according to the sources. Google has released a new app customized for mainland Chinese users in its latest small step back into the world's largest smartphone and online market. The app, a file management tool called Files Go, was originally released by Google in December, with a mainland Chinese version made available last week. Google largely withdrew from the China internet market during a 2010 clash with government censors. It maintained a presence in China after that, mostly through offices that sold advertising to Chinese companies looking to advertise outside of China. In the meantime, the company's free Android smartphone operating system quietly became a major player in the market, installed on the majority of roughly 400 million units now sold in China each year. And finally, China said it will cut import tariffs by more than half on a wide range of consumer goods starting in July, aiming to boost domestic consumption and balance its foreign trade amid heightened tensions with the U.S. The average import tariffs for apparel, footwear, headgear, kitchenware, and fitness products will come down to 7% from 16%, while those for washing machines and refrigerators will drop to 8% from 20%, China's state council said. The country will also cut import duties on processed foods, including aquaculture and fishing products and mineral water, and reduce tariffs on inbound cosmetics such as skin and hair care products, and some medical and health goods. The large reductions came after the U.S. renewed a threat to impose hefty tariffs on $50 billion of Chinese goods to punish the country over alleged unfair trade practices, despite the two governments previously agreeing to call a truce in their potential trade war. For more on how these new consumer tariff cuts fit into the larger trade picture, let's turn to Fran Wong, senior economics reporter at Caixin Global. Uh, Fran, I guess it's natural to try to connect this to the looming Trump trade war. Uh, would that be correct? Uh, is that an actual factor? 
Uh, some analysts do see it as a gesture from Beijing to show it was taking steps to address foreign trade imbalances in a multilateral way against the, the backdrop of a globalized economy, instead of simply in a bilateral way just to benefit the U.S. And also the timing of the announcement, um, I personally think it does have something to do with the trade tension with the U.S. Because as far as I know, the Chinese Commerce Ministry has been saying for years that it wants to lower the tariffs on a slew of import uh, goods, including luxury products. Uh, but little progress has been made. And this year, it seems that the uh, lowering of import tariffs have gained some momentum. Last month, the government announced that they are going to lower uh, import tariffs on uh, cars and uh, car parts. I think the trade tension with the U.S. kind of accelerated this progress. In your article, though, you emphasize how this fits into China's larger goal of rebalancing its economy uh, to emphasize consumption instead of investment and export. So uh, can you tell us about this? True. Uh, since 2012, when President Xi Jinping took power, the government has, has always been trying to transform the growth model of the economy from one that was driven by government-led investment and exports to uh, one that is more sustainably driven by consumption. So increasing imports of consumer goods is part of that effort. Also, the government is trying to help the domestic industry move up the value chain by introducing more nicer products from abroad. They also hope to force domestic companies to improve their quality, innovation, as well as their competitiveness. Fran, thanks. And let's catch up with you in a couple of weeks and see where things stand on the trade war. Thank you, Kaiser. Speaking of lowered consumer prices, there's some activity in the auto sector as well. Let's hear more about this and other things from Doug Young, Managing Editor of Tyson Global. Uh, Doug, you've got a couple of stories from automotive, so let's start with those. What's the first one you have for us? Well, why don't we start off with uh, the story about car imports, because that's been a topic that's on everybody's mind these days with all the U.S.-China trade tensions. Um, basically, a lot of luxury car makers, not the mainstream guys just yet, but the luxury guys uh, like Mercedes and uh, Jaguar are two of the names I remember, but they're lowering their prices. They've announced price reductions by about 7.5% in China. And this basically all feeds back to an announcement over the past week that China was going to reduce import tariffs on cars from a previous 25% to 15%. So I guess I'm not sure why we're seeing this in the luxury car sector and not in more mainstream vehicles, or am I missing something obvious? No, I think that's a good question. Uh, why Why do we see it in luxury and not in other areas? Well, China already has tons of regular car production within its borders. And most of the big global car makers have set up fairly sizable manufacturing bases in China. So they're probably going to say, well, gee, do we really need to bring in imported cars when we've got this much capacity already? It's the luxury guys who tend to do more limited manufacturing in China especially, you know, the, the real small volume guys, you know, like Lamborghini and, and Jaguar. And so they probably have quite a few models outside of China. They, most of them do tend to have something in China, but maybe they're only making one or two models here, uh, whereas they may have a lot of other models that are outside of China because uh, people at the top end tend to be less price sensitive anyhow. 
So uh, they would be the more likely candidates to start importing more of these models that you can't get in China. Staying for now with automobiles, uh, what's the other story you have for us? Uh, the other story is looking at this this car maker called Cherry, uh, which is not the pick of the bunch these days. Uh, but Cherry is, is this car maker based in a central province called Anhui, and they've just been having problems the last few years, but apparently the problems have gotten pretty bad, and now they're, they're losing some pretty serious money. In a pretty unusual move, the provincial government, which owns Cherry, they put a controlling stake of the company up for sale. And so it looks like the price for that controlling stake is about $3 billion U.S., uh, which you know isn't a small chunk of change, but Cherry is, is still a fairly well-known name in, in China. So what's ailing Cherry that has prompted this sale? Yeah, this is all part of the bigger picture, which is basically that China's car market is just way, way, way overcrowded. Uh, you know, there's something like 20 or 30 relatively major car brands in China, you know, and granted, it's a big market, but then you look at someone like the U.S. where there's two, you know, Ford and GM, maybe people would say Chrysler, I guess, as well. So, you know, U.S. market, three, China, 20 to 30. I mean, you know, do the math. Uh, China's just got too many of these companies and a big part of the reason it hasn't consolidated before now is because companies like Cherry were controlled by their provincial government. And if I'm the Anhui provincial government, am I really going to want to give over control of this company to the Guangdong provincial government, then, which will then just come in and shut, shut down my production lines, move everything to Guangdong? And, you know, so it's this, this sort of local ownership that's been a big roadblock. So by giving over control of the company to a, a private investor, then this company can really come in and maybe give this company the medicine it needs, you know, possibly including big layoffs to get this company back on its feet. Okay, so one last story you have for us from the dairy sector. It's about one of China's major milk moguls. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, this is like a fun story, and it's really a made-in-China, only-in-China story. Uh this is a company called Yili, which uh, most foreigners won't know, but Chinese will all know it. They're the biggest dairy products maker in China. And a few months back, their chairman went missing. In China, the chairman is always the, the actual head of the company. And he went missing. And, and so, of course, speculation immediately started swirling because in China, when you go missing, sometimes that's a, a buzzword for meaning you're basically been arrested for corruption. And so, of course, the rumors, uh, the rumor mongers started spreading rumors about this and Ely's stock price tanked. And so the end of this story, at least the end for now, there could still be more, is that last week the, the chairman suddenly reappeared at, at some sort of company event and bang, everybody was like, oh, I guess he's not under arrest and the, the stock jumped by 10%, which is the, the most a stock is allowed to jump in a single day in China. So it was, uh, so far, you know, stay tuned, but it, it was certainly a happy ending to this chapter. Is this sort of thing rare or common? Uh, what's the bigger picture here about uh, the leadership of, of companies uh, as relates to the anti-corruption drive? Well, again, we were saying this is a made-in-China story. Uh, this is just quite common in China that you see a company leader disappears and, and people freak out. Uh, you know, they go incommunicado for a few days. And it's happened with a few. And it usually does end up with them showing up in handcuffs and in a trial. I mean, one of the biggest ones was Anbang, which Taishin has reported on a lot. Uh, another one's the CEFC, uh, another company that Taishin helped to break. 
say we broke the store and we didn't we didn't break the company. Um, but you know the, these these things happen. Uh, there was another case with a, the head of a famous guy from this company called Fuxing or sorry Fosun uh, about a year or two ago. Uh, and in that case, he disappeared and everyone was freaking out, but then he showed up again. So, and that's what's happened with this Ely guy. So who knows what's really happening, but, you know, China is not the land of transparency. So when these guys disappear, everybody just naturally thinks the worst. Well, Doug, thanks for catching us up on the news and we will talk to you again soon. Okay. My pleasure as always, Kaiser. The pleasure's mine. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Taishin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Check out the latest podcast in the Seneca Network, the Pan Daily Tech Buzz China podcast, as well as our flagship current affairs show. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.